Hey guys, this is Ray Peoples. I'm the campus pastor at New City Church in Merriam, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and special thanks in advance to those of you who give generously to New City. You're the ones that make this ministry possible. And to partner with New City, click the link in the description below. I hope this message inspires you to trust in and live like Jesus. Well, good morning. How is everybody this morning? We good? We survived from all the turkey? Oh boy. No? (laughs) Well, uh, this morning as we start, we've got something to celebrate, all right? So get your celebrating hands and voices ready, okay? But last week, with our big give, we reached our campus goal, all right? Yeah? Now, here's the cool thing. In all of that, okay, even better than that is that we had a goal across all four campuses of $161,000, and that was also reached, and so in that, that helped us to reach our goal, if, if that makes sense. And so we came across and we reached our goal at all four campuses. So even bigger and better to celebrate and cool to see what God did, right? And so if, you, if we go back to that process, we all surrendered to the Lord and said, okay, this is, what do you want us to do this year, right? And we asked him that. And then we put out our 2020 ministry plans at all campuses, right? We feel like this is what God wants us to do. And then he blesses that. And so we feel like we're on the right track, right? Like we're doing what God wants us to do. And in that, he's saying, Yes, let's do it, right? So excited for 2020, excited for this year, but also excited about this, uh, this series that we're about to be walking through called Advent Conspiracy, all right? So it's now official. The bird has moved out of the way, right? And you can officially set up your Christmas stuff. Now, some of you I know probably already had it a week ago or maybe even two, right? Like you're hyper Christmas. You love Christmas. You love this season. But it is now official, right? Turkey Day is over. You can now do Christmas. But also with that, it seems as though the switch is flipped of craziness, right? Like it's busy before, but then Thanksgiving, it's like Thanksgiving with the family, Black Friday, all the other Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays we now have, right? But then it's like it's ramped up to now, here we go, it's Christmas, okay? And so in this series, we're really going to be talking about, okay, we've spent all this time looking at time management, right? We've spent all this time talking about our finances. Why then would we go and blow all of that that we've worked on these past several weeks? Why would we go and blow that for this month or even worse for one day? Okay, And so we're going to be kind of walking through what this looks like. Now, again, this season comes with some excitement, right? Some anticipation. I mean, my boys are already on a new level of like, it's Christmas, the tree is up, we're running around the house, we're going crazy. Now, they were locked in the house the other day because it was raining, right? But still, like, there is a new level of excitement around this time of the year and around this season. And it comes with a buzz. Sure, it comes with a buzz, Okay? Now, today is December 1st, right? Yes. Correct. Thank you. Okay. Yes. So it is December 1st. So this would be the official start of what we call Advent. Now, I don't know about you and your relationship with Advent, okay? Uh, Some people do Advent, some people don't. For us in my house growing up, like Advent for me was this uh, like felt tree that hung on the wall and each day had a piece of candy and you pulled it out. Like that was Advent for us. Right? It wasn't necessarily this, this countdown of expectation as though Advent is. Now, as we talk about this series, Advent Conspiracy, okay, there's two pieces there. There's the Advent piece, and then there's the conspiracy piece. Okay? 
So the Advent piece, when we look at that, look here, it's not something that is mandated in Scripture, okay? Advent is not mandated in Scripture, but it's something that really the church created to kind of slow us down and remember this time of year, okay? And so in that, traditionally it's celebrated on the four Sundays leading up to Christmas or the 25 days leading up to Christmas, all right? Many traditions use either a wreath and candles or a stand and candles to help us prepare. We've got that going right over here, and we're going to begin lighting that over these next four Sundays, all right? The candles typically are purple with one pink and then the white candle in the middle to represent Christ, Okay? Over the years, some churches have even ascribed a name to each of those candles, representing important parts of the story of Jesus. So hope, peace, joy, and love. Okay? But really, the most important thing is for us, it helps us to just slow down. Okay? We talked about the craziness, but it, it encourages us to slow down as we approach Christmas and Christmas Day and to focus on the main reason for the season. Right? We hear that often, but really there is a reason for this season. And I can tell you it's not the tree, the lights, the shopping, the presents, the food, the family, the events, the holiday parties, the awkward office parties, the fruitcake, and so much more. Right? But there is so much more to this season that cannot be forgotten. How many of you have a tradition, or maybe you've already done it in the past day and a half, of watching Charlie Brown's Christmas? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, or maybe you've seen it. How many of you have seen it? Okay, there we go. How many of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. So, Charlie Brown's Christmas. So, there's a couple things about Charlie Brown's Christmas. All right. Back in 1965, when it was released, it almost didn't make it. Like, it almost was not put on TV. Okay. And then once it was even put on TV, the studio execs were like, wait a minute. I'm not sure this thing's going to work. Because Charles Schultz did two unique things. The first one was that he didn't have a laugh track that played during his presentation or during the show. Normally during that time, they would use these laugh tracks to get people to consciously go, oh, well, that's funny. I'm going to laugh. But he said, nope, we're just going to put it out there for folks. But the second piece was this idea of, of adding a little bit of Jesus and the Jesus element to that story, right? Now, Linus's famous speech, Charlie Brown, he asked this question. He says, is there anyone who knows what Christmas is really all about? And Linus, with his blanket, walks out into the middle of the stage, right? And he begins with Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in their fields and watching their flocks by night. But here's the thing with Charlie Brown, okay? And that story, it's authentic and it's simple, right? It's authentic and it's simple. And in that, look here, Charles Schultz was quoted as saying, you can't get around this piece of the story. It's a critical piece to the season, right? You can't get around Christmas without Jesus. Now, here's what culture tries to do. Culture tries to point Christmas to everything but Jesus, right? Point to everything but Jesus. Now, Here's the thing. We're not going to go anti-Christmas, okay? We're not going to go war on consumerism in the next couple of weeks, all right? But we're really going to focus in on, okay, what is the main reason for the season? And so our Advent helps us do that, okay? Does that sound good? Yeah. 
All right, sweet, cool. Here we go, okay? The other piece of this is now our conspiracy side, okay? Many of you maybe know about some conspiracies. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples, okay? Bigfoot would be one. JFK's assassination is known as one, the moon landing, all right? Uh, Recently, Area 51 made the news, right? Like a big deal there, people trying to get in because they have this conspiracy theories, okay? But here's the thing. Again, culture tries to create a conspiracy in our minds of moving us away from Jesus, okay? So in these next couple weeks, here's what we're going to begin doing, okay? We're going to look at worshiping fully, okay? Spending less, giving more, and loving all, okay? That's going to be kind of our rhythm in these next four weeks. So today we're going to look at this idea of worship and worshiping fully, Okay, so slowing down in the Advent season and worshiping fully. Okay, so here we go. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. That's where we're going to start today. Okay, and we're going to be in verse 18 to start. All right, if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen. Now, here's the thing. Worship, unfortunately, over the past several years and even going way back, has now been equated to Sunday morning, a song that is sung. And that's worship, right? Like we have limited that to that is what worship is. Sunday morning, songs that we sing, Morgan leads us out, right? That's worship. Or those three songs that we sing on Sunday morning, that's worship. That's what we've got. But worship is so much more than that. And when we look at the story of Christmas, there is a lot of worship that is involved in the story of Christmas, a ton of worship and a ton of different varieties of worship, okay? And so when we think about this season, let's have hearts that worship fully because here's the thing. Worship, if you define it, or one way I'm going to define it this morning is this. Worship is an offering of the heart, okay? It's an offering of the heart that then leads to actions in the body, okay? So let me repeat that. An offering of the heart that then leads to actions in the body. Okay? Now, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the Christmas story, but here we go. We're going to begin to read through it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Okay? So here we go. Look for the ways of worship that we see here in this text. Okay? So verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now, all this took place to fulfill what has been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, okay? So here we go. When we look at this character of Joseph, okay, and what he did and how he worshiped, okay, he worshiped through obedience, right? He worshiped through obedience. Now, I think sometimes we hear this story because we often come back to it each and every year, and it can lose its flair a little bit. Like, it's not as exciting as really it could be. But when we look at this, this is the beginning of the story of Jesus, 
right? Like this is a great story. And there's some folks here who decide, you know what? I'm going to be a part of this story. Like the Lord had already chosen them to be a part of the story, but they then had to make the decision to be a part of the story, right? Joseph being one of those. So put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment, all right? His wife comes back to him, and she's now pregnant. And he's like, wait, what? Like, what happened here? And she's like, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. Like, an, you know, like, imagine her trying to explain that. Like, an angel came, and, and then I'm pregnant, and, and all that happened, right? And so here he is. He goes, okay, you know what? I'm going to give a little dignity to you, and I'm going to divorce you secretly. I'm going to divorce you quietly, because really, he could have had her killed, could have had her stoned. But he says, no, no, I'm just going to just kind of step away quietly from you and allow you to do your thing. But then what happens? This angel approaches and says, no, 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 look, this is from the Holy Spirit. Now, again, imagine for a moment, because the Holy Spirit really hadn't been talked about much at this point, right? But hey, it's the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph's going, okay, I guess I don't know fully what that is, but I'm going to trust the Lord in this. And so what does he do? He's then obedient, right? He's obedient, and he steps back with his wife. Okay, so this then begs us to ask the question as a follower of Jesus. All right, in our worship, is there something that we are holding back from that maybe seems a little crazy that the Lord's asking us to do? Like we stepped out in obedience last week. I fully believe it, right? And we saw the blessing of that. But is there something else in our life that maybe we're holding back that the Lord is asking us to step into? All right, maybe it's your time. Maybe it's still your money. Maybe it's relationships. What is it that he's asking of you to worship him through your obedience? All right, because here we see in Joseph's story, what does he do? He's obedient, and then that allows him this up-close relationship with the Savior. Like literally, right? Like right there, he is with the Savior, Okay, now we have this next person in this story. Her name's Mary. She has a pretty big part to play, right? And so if you would turn over to the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at Luke's account here and start in verse 26. And we're going to see how Mary then shows her worship to the Lord in this situation. Okay, and here's what happens in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary then asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not been intimate with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Again, the Holy Spirit hadn't really been talked about, so they're kind of like, what? Okay, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing is impossible with God. But then look at Mary's response here. I am the Lord's slave, said Mary, and may it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. 
man. So how then is Mary worshiping? Well, there's obedience there. Absolutely. But there's also this next piece of submission. She worships through submission, right? In verse 38, we see it. I am the Lord's slave. May it be done to me according to your word. Now you're like, wait, okay, obedience and submission. Those two words are really pretty close to the same word, right? But here's what obedience is, okay? Obedience is an outward act. Submission is actually an attitude. It's an attitude of the heart. You see, Joseph was being obedient and did what he was told to do. But Mary has to really submit to the will of God. So she has to be obedient, yes, but then she has to submit to his desires and what he's asking her to do. Okay, it's like the little boy that he, he acts up and his mother sticks him in the corner and she says, you need to sit down, right? And then she walks back by a little bit later and he turns and he goes, in my heart, I'm standing, but here I am sitting, right? Like he is obedient, yes, he's sitting, but he's not... Uh, He doesn't have a submissive heart to what his mother is asking him to do. You see, so submission is uh, an attitude of the heart. And Mary shows us that. She shows us obedience, but she also shows us her submissive side to the plans of God. And in that, she gets to celebrate, right? We see that in verse 46 of chapter 1. She says this. She says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has looked on me with favor on the humble condition of his slave. You see? Her submission has given her favor towards God. And she moves into then worship of that and worship of him. Okay? So we have then Joseph, we have Mary, then we have these other players in the story, if you will, right? And one of those being the shepherds, okay? The shepherds. And so the shepherds show us a little bit different worship. In Luke 2, we find that they are standing in their fields. Now, for a a moment, we have to realize, okay, the shepherds were like a rough crew, Right? Like they weren't the, the folks that you go and hang out with. In fact, most of them were incompetent. Most of them were lowest on the rung socially. When they walked into town, you could smell them, right? Like here come the shepherds. I mean, imagine they're hanging out with their sheep all night, all day, right? They kind of smelled like them. But here, Jesus, or God, excuse me, decides, you know what? I'm going to reach into their lives, though they be lowest on the rung. And so here's what we see from them, okay? They worshiped fully and joyfully, right? Fully and joyfully, because here we are, low social status, but yet God has chosen us to be a part of this story. He's going to insert them into the story, though they don't deserve it in any way. So what does that show us? Look here, we don't deserve any part in the story either, but he's chosen to bring us into his story. And allow us to do so. And in that, they worship joyfully. But here's another thing that we can learn and see from the shepherds. Is that they leave the busyness and the craziness for the most important thing. Right? Like keeping sheep isn't an easy thing. There's some craziness there. But they step away from that craziness. And where do they go? They go to see this new king. Right? They go and they worship him. Man, what a reminder for us in this time of the year to leave a little bit of the crazy behind, to go and to worship the one true king and the one true reason, if you will, for the season, 
All right? And so in doing this, they again worship joyfully and fully. And we're allowed again a part to play in the story. The final one is this, is the Magi, all right? They came a little bit later. They came a little bit into the story. But here's the thing that we see in the Magi and the wise men and how they worshiped the Lord. They worshiped persistently. Persistently, because here's the thing. These guys are far off, right? That's the only description we get. They are far off. Okay, but they traveled many, many miles to get there, right? And they get there, and what do they find? They come to the palace, and they're like, there's no baby here. Well, where do we need to go? I don't know. Well, we're going to go find out because we've been told, right? And so in that, their persistence pushes them forward to find this king that had been born. And they run into what? This obstacle in their way, this king that wants to find that baby for completely different reasons and completely different purposes, right? And so here's the thing. As we begin to celebrate and as we begin to worship in this season, okay, I want you to ask yourselves this. Are you worshiping fully this year? Are we worshiping fully? Or is there that item that we want under the tree more than necessarily the interaction and worship of our Savior? And are we worshiping with an obedient and submissive heart? And are we joyful and persistent in that worship? Okay? So this season, here's what I'm asking you to do, okay? Be like Joseph and obey with regard to cost or with no regard to cost. Be like Mary and submit and sing to a redeeming God. I love what she says. We're going to go back and read it in verse 46 of Luke chapter 1, okay? My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior because he has looked on me with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of their thoughts of their hearts, and he has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things, and he has sent the rich away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants. You see, she is excited and celebrating what the Lord has brought her into. So be like Mary and submit and sing to redeeming God. But like the shepherds, we may have to leave some busyness behind to fully pursue Jesus. And then in that also, we may have to persist in our worship and our pursuit of him. Okay? And it's going to be an exciting uh, next couple weeks as we walk through this because here's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to sing, yes, we're going to worship through singing. But we're also going to pray, we're going to meditate and we're going to love our way into this story that is good news for all people. Right? It's good news for all people. And when we look at the Christmas story, again, sometimes it can lose its flair, but guess what? Christmas can still be a thing that changes the world. Have you thought about that? Christmas can still be a thing that changes the world and changes how we look and pursue Jesus. Okay? Now let me pray for us, and then we're going to continue by lighting the Advent candle and continuing on 
in worship, okay? So, Father, we thank you so much that we have an opportunity to worship you. And, Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for a chance to love you and to be obedient to you and to be submissive to you. And in that, we worship you. And Lord, we pray that this season in the craziness and in the busyness, Lord, that we are able to focus on you. But not only to focus on you, but to focus on those around us. Lord, I pray that in this season we move from um, what can become this selfish desire for ourselves and move out into this outward focus of others and for others. And so, Lord, we give that to you. And Lord, as we look at this idea of Advent conspiracy, Lord, this, this Advent moment being a reflection of you and the conspiracy that it has become of this season, Lord, may we stay focused on you and focused on who you are. And so we praise you in your son's name. Amen. We begin again with the four candles surrounding the white candle that represents Christ. And over these next couple weeks, we're going to be having different families who are coming and lighting these candles. But I thought it'd be appropriate today to start with uh, me lighting the candle. Okay? So, when God created everything in the world, he saw that it was very good. But then evil entered the picture with the fall from grace in the Garden of Eden. Humanity was separated from God and began walking in darkness. But a promise was given that one day a Savior, the Messiah, would come to restore humanity's relationship to God. This brought then hope. Okay, This hope is a focus throughout the Old Testament, which is full of prophecies pointing to the Messiah. One of those being Isaiah 9, 2-7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from the time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So today, we light the candle of hope in remembering the hope that's coming through Christ, all right? Well, thanks for joining us today, and thank you for supporting New City Church's ministry. If this inspired you and you want to partner with New City, you can give now by clicking the link in the description, or visit newcitychurch.com slash podcast for more information. Have a great day.